Are you new to investing? Wondering whether or not you can self-manage your properties? Let us tell you about our partner, RentReady. RentReady is an awesome property management software that can help you grow and handle every aspect of your real estate investing business. Rent collection, tenant screening, maintenance, lease signing, listing. Honestly, RentReady has everything. One of the best features is their new tenant software, Latchel, where you're able to remove yourself as the landlord from being the middleman between tenants and maintenance calls. And it's also essentially a fraction of the cost of what you would pay for property management. Let me also mention that RentReady is unlimited. All their plans are flat price. This means you can keep adding properties to your portfolio without having to pay more. You can close on all the properties you want and RentReady's price stays the same. Best part about it is for you guys is they've given us an amazing deal to pass on to all Weekly Juice listeners. You can get 50% off any RentReady plan at rentready.com when you use our code JUICEPOD. That's rentready.com, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with code JUICEPOD, J-U-I-C-E-P-O-D, and you'll get 50% off any plan. If this is your first time here, welcome. During our shows, we interview successful entrepreneurs and investors to spread knowledge, advice, and actionable tactics to help others in the pursuit of financial freedom. We discuss successes, failures, systems, motivations, experiences, and key lessons learned along the way in the hopes that these stories help you along your journey. Tune in every Wednesday to get your weekly juice. If you've been here before and like what you've been hearing, please subscribe, share with friends, rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That goes an extremely long way for us. It's simple. Just click on your podcast app, type in our podcast name, The Weekly Juice, click on the reviews and let us know what you think. The more ratings we get, the more eyes we'll get in our show and in turn, we'll be able to provide you all with high quality guests. You can also find us on Instagram at Weekly Juice Pod for daily content and personal finance tips to assist in your journey towards financial freedom. finance and entrepreneurship. As always, it's your boys, Ryan and Corey here with another episode for you. Today we had on special guest, John from John E. Finance. You've probably seen him on Instagram or TikTok. He has over a million followers on uh, his TikTok. One million. One million. Yeah. I said. Uh, he talks about financial independence, personal finance, real estate, like pretty much everything we talk about on a daily basis. He puts it into small, concise uh, little nuggets on TikTok and the videos that come out are just, they're awesome. And uh, I love his stuff when he's on TikTok and does some on Instagram too. It's like him talking to himself. Dressed up as another version. Yeah, it's really funny. It's hilarious. He puts a lot of time and effort into it. And actually, it's pretty cool. He just was able to leave his nine to five because his um, his side hustle became his main hustle. And right. all of his income, I guess, well, through house hacking and also through this business, he has more than enough to cover his lifestyle expenses. So um, he's doing, doing the thing. Saves over 50% of his income, basically... A, a large percentage of that comes from his ability to house hack. He lives in one half of the duplex, rents on the other side, subsidizes his mortgage. I think he pays like four or five hundred dollars a month in just you know living expenses, which is awesome. Which helps him set himself up for investing. And he's only twenty five years old, so like the fact that he's able to do this, leave his main job at twenty five years old to pursue a passionate side hustle. I mean, it's awesome. I don't want to go too far into his backstory because he shares it early in the episode, yeah. but. Great episode, young guy that's that's super successful already, and it's, he just he took a leap of faith, right? And it's it's worked out so far. So um, I think without further ado, we should bring in John and have welcome him on the show. John, officially welcome to the show. Corey and I are thrilled to have you here. Um, we've been following you on social for a while now, and wanted to get your story out there on our end to our listeners. You have a great educational platform on both Instagram and TikTok. 
talking about personal finance. There's a little real estate in there. And um, we we love it. We consume it daily. So figure we would get our, our crew here uh, on board as well. So if you could just give people a little bit of a background on yourself, uh, who you are, where you're from, but more importantly, how you got into the FIRE movement. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have to thank you guys, Corey and Ryan, for inviting me on the podcast. I'm super stoked to, to talk about, you know, finances. Obviously, this is a big passion of mine. Um, and I also saw you guys on Instagram and creating your podcast as well. I'm a huge fan of you guys as well. So um, just thank you for, for having me. But I can definitely dive into my story. Uh, you know, basically what started this whole movement is, you know, I was, you know, in high school and I went to college as a finance major. And so, I was learning about all these high level finance tactics, whether it's, you know, corporate accounting, financial accounting, um, you know, all these business finance classes. And, you know, it kind of got into, I was like, okay, when are we going to start learning about our own money management, building our own wealth? And I realized that I never took a personal finance class in college. I was a finance major and I never took a personal finance class in college. And so it just was like a hit to me. I was like, if they're not teaching finance majors, personal finance, they're not teaching anyone else personal finance. And so that's where I saw the gap in education. I was like, okay, I'm going to take it upon myself to start educating people on personal finance because it's such a lack of education in our system. So that's kind of how it all started. That's when the, the light bulb clicked. I was like, okay, I need to start teaching this because obviously high schools and colleges aren't. Cool. Was it something about your upbringing that you drawed you to being interested in finance in general? I'm just curious because there's always like a, a moment where you decide that you're going to pursue this as like one, a side hustle, but also potentially a passion of yours, clearly a passion of yours. When did it like make sense that you or like just from your upbringing, is there anything that sparked it for you? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I wasn't specifically interested in money like as an upbringing, but um, I always had kind of an entrepreneurial spirit and I knew that going into college, like I didn't want to just major in entrepreneurship. You know, I wanted to do something that was a little more versatile. Um, and so that's why I ended up choosing uh, finance and, you know, I could go different directions. I could go accounting, I could go finance, I could go entrepreneurship. And so, um, you know, eventually if I wanted to run a business, I would have to know how to manage my finances, you know? And so that's kind of, it was more entrepreneurial going into finances, how that kind of started. And so, um, I started learning about money, started consuming literally everything I could find my hands on about personal finance, money management, how to build wealth essentially. And that's what really kind of, uh, you know, sparked the fire under me. Got it. What were some of the first steps that you took? Uh, I assume when you're starting to teach this and starting to learn about it, consume it, your college, just after college, what were some of the first steps that you took in your own financial journey to start kind of, I guess, get the ball rolling and, and start the, the path? Yeah. So I, I think the first step and for anyone, you know, this, this goes for anyone, you need to start with self-education and because obviously, you know, schools aren't teaching this stuff. So um, I started reading books. I started listening to podcasts. I made it a habit to listen to a podcast on my commute. And that was kind of how I started building that knowledge, building that framework. And so it really is all self, like mostly self-education. I was reading, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I was listening to Bigger Pockets podcast, Choose FI, and all those, these big, you know, financial education uh, platforms. And that's what really started, you know, opening the floodgates, essentially. I was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm finally learning how to manage my money. And I got to, you know, I felt the responsibility to teach it to everyone else. 
And that's why I started getting into the more financial education content from there. You know, it's funny that you say that once you started learning, like it was like an aha moment. And I had the same thing. Once I started, Choose FI actually was a big one in the beginning for me. I, I, I haven't listened to them recently, but um, they were being in just the framework of like financial independence because to most people, it's completely foreign. And I remember like sitting in my car thinking about this and listening to it and going like, I know a lot of really, really smart people who don't know anything about this, who are just working and working and working. And like, there's no, like, there's just no end in sight. So it's really cool that, that you started that way. Cause I agree. Education is definitely the, the first. And yeah, I just wanted to put a point on that. It's like, I, I call it uh, being high on fi. It's like when you learn about financial independence, you just like something's like clicks and you're like, oh my gosh, like I need to tell everyone about this. I need to shout this from the rooftops. I need to tell my friends and family. Like it's such a, it's such a pivotal framework, such a mindset shift. Most probably don't understand and maybe won't, but that's okay, right? Like I know I tried to do the same thing and people were like, dude, shut up. Like you don't know what you're talking about. Like this doesn't actually work. And then here we are for us three, four years later, like it's actually working. It's just, it's a hell of a lot better than, you know, hoping on a wish and a prayer for 40 years. Right. So yeah. I, I, I like that, um, that, uh, story of yours. I'm wondering if you have any, like, what is your primary investing tactic, I guess, uh, or maybe there, is there a specific savings rate or like, what are some like individual pieces of your journey that, uh, you would like to maybe share with our listeners? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's a lot to it. And, um, well, I, I, I try and make it as simple as possible. Obviously I'm a big fan of index funds. I think we all are. Um, and I think that is the most passive way to, to invest it's hands off. You don't have to think about it. So I'm a big proponent of index funds in general. Uh, I also like investing in real estate. I actually bought a duplex when I was 24 years old. Um, I'm currently living in it right now. I'm renting out the bottom and living in the top. So I'm house hacking that way. Um, so that's the, you know, real estate investing on training wheels. I'm also investing a bunch of time and money into my business, which is just financial education in general. And so um, those kind of index funds, uh, real estate and investing into a business, I think is um, the three big categories I see myself putting my time and money into. When you say, first of all, thank you. Uh, let's dive into bucket number one or, or arm number one here on, on index funds. Are you putting these in a brokerage, a Roth IRA, or how are you kind of segmenting it? And then also, can you give some of maybe specific like ticker signs or symbols that you're investing in? I know specifically for Corey and I, we do Vanguard and there's a couple we can talk about, but I'm curious about yours. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so for the index funds, I, I use an account. It's a Roth IRA. So basically I max out my Roth IRA every single year. That's $6,000 per year. Um, I also have an HSA, which I, I max out as well. That's a little more nuanced, but, um, you know, I, I use, I invest in index funds in there as well. And, um, I also have a brokerage account, just a general taxable brokerage account that I put, um, that I invest in index funds and for specific tickers, uh, I use fidelity for everything. So, um, I use fidelity funds mostly. And some of their, some of my favorite tickers are FZROX and FNILX. Those are just basically total stock market index funds. The second is um, an S&P 500 index fund. Got it. Are you investing a portion of your income monthly? Is that kind of the way you do it? I know some people do it weekly. Some people do it monthly. Some people take chunks at the end of the quarter. I personally do it monthly. And I, I only do a small portion right now because we're investing so heavily in real estate. But, you know, 
couple hundred dollars a month here and there. Well, not here and there, every month, actually. I, I like DGRO and IUSG as just, I honestly, I'm a little bit, um, I don't know as much as somebody like you would. So I believe that they're like uh, contra fund type funds, but I, I've been advised by a financial advisor. So you mentioned a couple through Fidelity. There's a couple through Vanguard that I like. VT Sachs is one and then uh, v is one. And then some of them cover the S&P 500. The other one's uh, the total stock of the... Uh, international stock, sorry. And so I think it's just great as a basket of funds, right? Where you just set it and forget it, but it covers, you're basically trying to match the market. You're not trying to beat it per se and like, you know, throwing darts here and there. But some people like that, right? It just, uh, there's day traders and then there's guys like us that kind of just, you know, we want a part of our portfolio and, and want to diversify a little bit. Yeah. Um, but just, just one point on that is um, the reason I primarily invest in index funds is like, you know, I could take time out of my day and try and do research and pick the best stock, but it, it is extremely time consuming trying to figure out, you know, which stock is going to go up or what, which to, what to invest in. And so if I can, you know, my time is my most valuable asset. So if I can, you know, offload the in, investing to index funds, um, I can really spend that time more like into my business where I can create a higher like dollar per hour task from there. So that's, that's why I primarily move towards index funds over individual stock picking. Um, so it, it's tough to give a, a certain percentage. I mean, I save, I would say, you know, over 50% of my income right now. Um, but that goes to different investments. So, you know, I'm, I'm saving up actually for a second property in, in real estate and, um, you know, some goes into index funds and then some goes into my business. So it's kind of, it depends on which season I'm at. Uh, but right now I'm really looking to use those funds for my next property in real estate to house hack another uh, property. And then um, I mean, I'm usually just maxing out a Roth IRA at $500 per month and then maxing out the HSA. So that's primarily where the index funds are going. That's cool. great. Let's talk about the house hack. Um, I mentioned real estate a little bit here too, and you're, you're building up your portfolio. So um, duplex, you're renting out the bottom unit, living in the top. Can you talk, even just if they're broad numbers close to, um, basically what you bought it for, what it rents for, what you cash flow for, and then maybe the area that it's in, if you're comfortable with that, just because a lot of people are always asking us, hey, I'm not, I'm curious of like best places to buy, like what cash flow number do you not go underneath? There's a lot of you know basic questions It'd be cool to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know you guys are in Philadelphia, so I'm curious to see how these numbers compare. Um, I'm in Cincinnati, so it's you know it's a relatively, in my opinion, somewhat similar market. Um, it's not like California or New York. No, but Cincinnati, that's like a huge market. There's a booming real estate market in Cincinnati. I don't know if specifically where you are, but a lot of people, I hear a lot of talk about Cincinnati, so that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was luckily, so I got in last year. Um, it was basically, I was house hunting, uh, throughout COVID and, and that was what, uh, was, was kind of risky, but, um, you know, I eventually, I w I closed on a house in July of 2020. It was a duplex here in Cincinnati. And, um, the, the I can tell you the numbers, basically the purchase price was $252,000. And, um, I kind of did, you know, back of the napkin, uh, math on like looking at the 1% rule, basically, you know, um, can I get 1% of rent from the purchase price and looking at it, you know, if I rented both units out, I could get about 24, 2,500 from it. So I was like, Hey, this is basically the 1% rule. I know it's a, it's a rule of thumb and it doesn't hit, you know, on every market, but 
I felt pretty comfortable going into it. Um, it was minimal rehab costs. And so I purchased it. Yeah. 252. Um, I can go, yeah. Even the down payment, uh, I can go into as well. Like, um, I used a 5% conventional loan. I put 12.5 down, uh, with closing costs. It was about 16,000 altogether, um, to get a $252,000 duplex. And then, um, Let's see. Oh, the, the mortgage payment is about 1600 right now. And I'm getting, um, I believe 1150 right now from the, from the downstairs. That's really funny that you mentioned this because I purchased, it wasn't duplex. It was a single family home for $250,000. I actually put 10% down instead of five. Cause I, it was in the beginning. I just didn't even know. So I, I had $15,000 right there that I could have just saved essentially and not put in, but it's in the equity of the home, but that's really cool. So you're subsidizing your more, your, your living expenses and you're only spending roughly $500 a month where I don't know anybody who can rent anywhere, especially if you're living alone for $500 a month. So it's great. It doesn't, I think people have this misconception about house hacking that like, it's not worth it unless you can cover your entire mortgage. And I'm like, well, it's also the opportunity cost of not spending $1,500 to rent somewhere. You're saving in that case, a thousand dollars a month, which can go into your next funds or your next real estate deal. So yeah. very cool. So let's talk specifically financial independence, right? And a lot of people say that, or they, they put together a plan, right? They have a fine number. Like as soon as I hit X amount per month, I'm done. I'm, I'm out of the so-called rat race, if you will. Do you have the specific guidelines that you live by? And you're like, Hey, listen, once I hit this number, I'm out. Or, um, like I can consider myself financially free. I, cause the reason I bring it up is a lot of people use the once I have 25 times the amount of my annual expenses, I'm good. Or, you know, that other people go, like Corey and I, we, we think about it as like, okay, if we have cash flow from our rental properties that equal our annual expenses, we're technically good. Everything else is icing on the cake. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I love it. And there's, I mean, both ways are, are totally, you know, understandable, whether you want to do 25 times your income or uh, have your rental properties pay, uh, like subsidize your, your expenses, basically. Um, I kind of use a combination of both, you know, I want rental properties, you know, I don't want to be this big real estate mogul. You know, I just want maybe, you know, five to 10 properties, I would say, um, have that cash flow fund, you know, most of my lifestyle, but then also have index funds and some passive income from there as well. So it's kind of like a combination of both. And to be honest, I haven't really pinpointed a certain number that I want. Um, because with me, you know, I'm, I think being financially free means being able to work on what you want. You know, you can work when you want to work, like work on what you're passionate about. And I feel like I'm already doing that um, by having Johnny finance and just promoting uh, financial education there. So I really feel, you know, extremely blessed in the position I am because, you know, I may not have 25 times my expenses. I may not have cash flow covering my expenses, but I am working on something that I love. And I think that's uh, the biggest proponent of financial independence. I think it's important to note, John, that a lot of people look at real estate and financial independence movement as this escape of their everyday life, right? Or this like, I have to go invest in real estate. And a lot of people don't even like real estate and they think they want to do it. And then they, they spend all this time to try to do it to escape, right? But what you're saying is, is you're kind of combining things that you like, right? You're already kind of living your financial independence life. You're just getting closer and closer and closer as you continue to invest. So I think that's the beauty of this, where if you're really interested in it, like we are genuinely interested in real estate. Now, do we like every single aspect of it? Probably not, but we have learned how to adjust along the way. And we know that every property that we get to, it gets us closer to our goal and we enjoy it along the way. So I think that's uh, it's important to note that it's not just escape, but you can build it kind of as you go. 
And also, I think you guys, you know, love doing this podcast. You get to meet amazing people. You get to learn from each other. You know, this is a, a podcast is a win, win, win. It's a win for you guys. It's a win for me. And it's a win for the audience. And so working on a business like that, I think it's just so, it's so rewarding and, and fulfilling. So I think you guys are, are already crushing it. Couldn't agree more. Thank you. Yeah, I, I really could not agree more with that. It's, it, uh, it's funny, we were talking before the show, I was like, just got home from my commute for work. I'm like, you know, obviously you're working for someone else daily, right? I guess some people say this, you're working for someone else's dream. And then you get to work on yours, you know, after work. And I'm like, this is the longest ride sitting in traffic, but then, and I'm, excuse me, I'm tired. But then I come back here and I get to talk to you guys and it just brings this like extra fire. And you're like, dude, this is what I want to do. And you're having fun doing it. So to directly to that point, it's a win, win, win. And I just think it's fun to talk about it. I'll say for Corey and I too, like it's been, inc- and obviously if it hasn't come full circle for you yet, it definitely will. But like, it's a lot of things you really get to show who you are and then people start to, to like you and trust you. And they're like, they'll start flipping you deals, whether it will be something on the e-commerce side, it'd be something on the real estate side, like, or just, they want to help you get to their level if they are above you and they help bring you up. Or you get the guy that's five steps behind you and thanks you for helping them along their journey and change their life. Like it, it's, there's so many wins in there. I can't even say them, but it's win, 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 win. And it's just fulfilling. So, I, you know, I appreciate you bringing that up because there are some days that you're like, wow, man, like this is tough and it's a lot of time, but it, it is super rewarding. Um, being that, sorry, go ahead. Did you have something to say? No, I just, I, I, I agree with everything you say. There's, there's so many opportunities there. Um, you know, they just, they, they always come. So it's just awesome to hear that. It's, it's very exciting and, uh, and rewarding, but I had one for you because I know you studied finance in school and then obviously you're, you're teaching finance, you know, financial education right now. What are your thoughts on someone like the everyday person hiring a financial advisor versus a D- DIYing your finances by yourself? Like, what would you recommend uh, to certain people and, and kind of what are your thoughts on that? Because we get asked that question a lot. And, you know, I have, I have a financial planner. I believe Corey is an advisor, too. But some people I would think we know more than a lot of people out there. And we still have that person. But some people swear against them. They, you know, they're taking this percentage away from you. And, and I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Yeah. Um, I, I love the question. And what's so great about personal finance is it's personal, right? You know, it's, it's so nuanced to everyone's situation. You know, I'm not going to say that it's black and white. You should, or you shouldn't have a financial advisor because it all depends on your, your personal situation. Um, I tend to think that the majority of people do not need one that they can do most of, um, the investing themselves. You know, they can invest in index funds, set it and forget it, and they'll be just fine for retirement. Um, but you know, for the certain people that either are high net worth people where they need a financial advisor, or, you know, I think CPAs are just as valuable too um, to, to do your taxes and things like that. So if you have, you know, a lot of money you're willing to spend and it's going to be a good ROI, I think a financial advisor makes sense. And my opinion, I think what most people are thinking they need a financial advisor is they just need a financial coach, like someone to kind of help them break down their budget, help them hit their goals. Um, not necessarily manage their money, but just kind of help them um, along the process. So I think there is a difference between a financial coach and a financial advisor. I agree. A lot of people need like an accountability buddy or someone to hold right. them accountable, right? And just to help set up the systems. Because once you have a system that, that flows, you're good to go. And you can, I mean, some people are crazy. We check, check every day, me and this guy. I don't know what they <laughs> There's also people that don't check for months or they'll do a couple check-ins per year and they're like, okay, I'm on track. I just think of, you know, if you're going in the uh, index fund route, like it is something that you don't have to check every so often. Maybe it's like every few months, you just make sure your allocations, maybe you want to put more in the stock side of things, or you want to put more on 
uh, the bond side of things later down the line. But um, it is cool to hear from you on that because I, I know you can go one way or the other, right? And, and sometimes I feel like, hey, I'm wasting money throwing this guy out some cash on the side where I could easily do this myself. But there's a lot of people that need that person just to say, like, it's, it's a coach, right? That kicks you in a high gear when you need to and when you're lacking. So I appreciate that there. I have a fun question for you. I, we thought of it, I think, an episode ago. We were debating putting it in our core four at the end, but I'll just ask it to you now. So if you had an extra $50,000 right now, like discretionary income, how would you distribute that? Like, what would you buy? What would you invest in? And maybe it's all in one thing, but just picture you got a whole pie. Like, how would you sliver it off? Yeah, uh, to me, this is almost a no-brainer, actually. Uh, I would I would primarily use it for real estate. If I had $50,000, I would be putting that directly into my next house hack. Um, you know, I, I, I've i been saving, again, it's it's my personal situation is like, I want to get into that next house hack. That's kind of like my next goal. And, um, you know, if I can find a duplex or even a quadplex, I'd like to, um, you know, go a step ahead, uh, move into a quadplex or something like that. I think that would be how I primarily use um most of that cash. And, and to be honest, I would maybe, if I just had $50,000, I would maybe do like, you know, 40,000 into real estate and then 10,000, maybe into something a little more speculative. Um, I don't know how you guys think about cryptocurrency. I, I'm not, a, I'm not the biggest advocate of it, but I do think there's uh, some money to be said uh, about it. So we're hearing that a lot of uh, smart people, smarter than us, at least smarter than me, will say that, you know, a, a percentage of your portfolio can be allocated like 5%. I haven't done that yet. And I don't necessarily want to, because I just don't understand it. Uh, like literally, I don't understand almost anything about how it physically works. Do I think there's value in it? Yeah. But I think it's like this speculative thing, like you said. So I think it's maybe something that if we had enough income coming in where we would just be like, oh, I don't care if this goes to zero, maybe it would be something that we would get into. Yeah. I don't know. I have, I don't know what percentage of it is, but I basically like, I put in, I'll just talk bluntly about it. I think uh, Bitcoin was at like 16, five or something like that. People would be like, Oh my God, you should put all your money into that. You'd be, you'd be filthy rich right now. So I did, I put, I think like Wait, uh, uh, 16, what the buy-in was 1600, 16,000. No, 1600. Uh, I would actually hurt myself. <laughs> but no, so it was, was 16,000. But, uh, so I did, I bought some of that, I bought some Ethereum and then also Litecoin. So like, just like a very small amount, I think it was like 2000 bucks all in. And at one point it was, I was up to like 10,000 in my portfolio. I'm like, I, that was the smartest thing I ever did. Look back like a couple days later, it's back at 5,000. Like, thank the Lord I didn't put all my money in there. So it's just, it is a crazy thing. You just, you hear that certain banks or, or, or big conglomerates are starting to be able to use Bitcoin and they're going to start like letting people pay with that and like, there's highs and lows in the news about it every day, but it's something that we, we just don't know enough about, or personally, I don't know enough about. And I don't have the, I hate to say I don't have the time because you make time for things that are important. But to me, that's just like, I'm not super into it. I like something that I can touch and hold. And I don't know. It, it's it's just a little bit different for me out here, but like blockchain and then NFTs. I, I, people oh will not crucify me for these, but I'm, dude, I just, I think it is so dumb. And I'm probably going to look back at this episode 10 years from now and be like, I'm an idiot. But it's like an online trading card. That's how I view it. It's like there's like a moment in time that's captured and people are selling it, whether it's like a, something signed, whether it's like like a video clip that goes back and forth. And I'm just like, what if your power goes out, dude? Then it's gone. Like you don't have it. Yeah, so I, I don't get it either. I don't know. I just like, I'm a tangible guy. So, you know, that's so I'm not going to go against Gary Vee also too. I'm, I'm, not, I'm just like, it's yeah, like Bitcoin. It's a lot smarter than It can probably yeah. make you a yeah. I just don't know. Do you have, a, do you have any, John? 
I, I don't I don't have any NFTs, unfortunately, but um, I think there is a, a, a mental model or a space that 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 can come from it in the future. Um, and I think what you guys are doing, like, let me let me uh, put it, put something on this. It's like if you guys are doing real estate great, you should continue doing real estate great. You shouldn't try to, like, put a put a finger in every single you know asset class. And so people come to me, they're like, Hey, I have $500, like which stock or which cryptocurrency should I put it in? It's like, no, you should invest in yourself, start learning like skills and new businesses until you really have, you know, some money to actually invest. Yeah. So, I, um, I love that. And, and the, one of the reasons why I love it is because I think that I don't know where I heard this. I always refer to Brandon Turner. I'm not sure if he's the one who said it. He's the one I, I heard it from, but like building different bridges that never actually get, that actually never get built all the way across. Right. And like, I I look at like investing in 10 to 15 different things. Like you're building these bridges and you may not ever make it across where if it's like, I know for a fact, if I double, triple, quadruple down on real estate and I just hold that and I continue to do it for, I don't know, somewhere between five and 15 years, like I'm going to look back and be really thankful I did because it's proven over and over and over through time. And that's all the, the evidence that I really need in my head. Whereas blockchain and, and crypto, there's there's 17 year olds that are crypto millionaires. Then that's good for them. It's just like, I'm not going to bet on something that is it just came to be. So it's, uh, yeah, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a thinker. I, you know, <laughs> I actually love, I never read the bridge analogy. I re- analogy. I really like that. Um, it's like shiny object syndrome is kind of a similar thing. It's like, it just, makes perfect sense. No, I really like it. Um, I'm just trying to think about mine. Like there's like, I think we talked about them all, right? You talk about your index funds, you talk about your, your real estate. Um, but also like within the index funds, there's, you have the 401k, you have an HSA, you have a Roth IRA, you have a uh, brokerage account. Like you can play around with everything. There's just so much out there that I think it will confuse people. Like when we're just rattling off things, people are driving are like, what are you even talking about? Um, so I think it's getting your core down that you want and start, but like go all in on something and then play around a little bit in other things, but I don't think you give it all of your time, right? Agreed. I I, I really agree with that. Um, I have a specific, we're going to get into your talk about TikTok and the Simple Money Guys too, as we get towards um, the second half of our show. But I have a specific question for you. Um, we're going to put you on the spot a little bit. I'm just curious with what you've done in the real estate or in uh, real estate and just finance in general, how you would answer this. So let's say somebody that you know makes... $75,000 a year and they have 50K in student loan debt. Let's say they have, I don't know, fifteen, dollars $20,000 saved up. They're in their mid twenties. Are you somebody that would tell this person, go pay off that debt. Don't think about anything until you pay off the debt. Or would you say, no, invest while you're paying off debt or go buy a house. Hack. What, were, what are some steps that you would take? And the reason why I ask this is because I think a lot of our listeners are in a similar scenario to just that's, kind of an average of people having student loan debt and being in their mid twenties and looking to reach financial independence. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely think uh, a lot of people are in this situation and um, I think it depends uh, on your interest rate on student loans. So let's say you have some private student loans and they're charging like 10 or 12%. That to me would be a priority. You'd want to pay that off. But um, I think if you have the discipline and you have the drive to get into a house hack, I think that is going to protect, provide a higher ROI than just paying off your student loans. Because with a house hack, I mean, you can make a hundred percent on your return on your investment. You know, you put $15,000 into uh, a property, you house hack and have recouped that $15,000. And um, I think 
yeah, if you have the drive, if you have the motivation and you're willing to hustle, I think putting that extra money into a house hack will be the uh, best ROI. And I know you guys had uh, the Phi couple on your show, you know, probably a few months ago. Um, They did that exact thing where they, they had student loans, but they used money to get into a house hack and then just rapidly started paying off their student loans from there. Yeah. Cannot speak highly enough about them to those two. They're amazing. Yeah, <laughs> they are. They're great. And uh, Josh just cracks me up because he's everywhere on Instagram. Right? Yeah, 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 man. Yeah, they are great combo. Yeah. And Josh is a savage. Man. He's just so he's he's so <laughs> hilarious. Borderline like brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, like he's like really, really smart. So it's it's uh hopefully he's listening, Josh. But um, love you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll never forget when I called when I said that he reminded him. I he. I, he reminded me of Scott Trench. He like literally got so red. He was gassed, dude. He was like, yeah, that's like the best compliment you could have given him. But the thing is, he just hasn't, what I love about them too is like, or I guess just for listeners too, is like their presence on social media has grown exponentially because they've gone all in on the community. Yep. And that's the thing. It's kind of helping me parlay over here to TikTok and your Johnny finance, right? Like that's, that's your alias online and on social you've built up your community to over a million followers. When I say like follower, I don't, I don't like the word followers that much. It kind of seems like a fan base, but it's a community, right? Those are your people that you, you bounce ideas back and forth out of each other. So to, we're at just about 8,000 on, on Instagram to put it in perspective. You're at 1 million on TikTok, like a million. That's, it's absolutely insane. And you've done that in such a short amount of time. I'm wondering if you could talk to people that are looking to build up their social presence and like turn it into a business. Like, maybe some tips and tricks on, on how you got it off the ground, but not only that, just like scaled it at a rapid pace and, and kind of what, um, how you crazy success. Like yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, when I was learning about all this financial education and I wanted to shout it from the rooftops, you know, I was high on this fi idea. I, you know, I wanted to help other people. So I started talking to my friends and family, but they, you know, they just, they're not as interested as it, as, as I am. And so I, I just started, you know, thinking, how can I reach more people? So, you know, I tried starting a blog, I dabbled in YouTube a little bit. And ultimately it was in December of 2019, I saw, you know, TikTok and I'm like, oh, this is like a pretty cool app. You know, most people were dancing on it back then. I was like, I'm going to start making some like just personal finance videos. And so a couple of my first videos, I was talking about, you know, the difference between a Roth IRA and a 401k, just very simple videos. But uh, the reason or how I scaled that, I mean, it started from December of 2019, all the way, you know, we're, we're recording in August of 2021. Um, I, it's really just consistency. And I think that is everything to do with it is consistency over intensity, you know, just being showing up every single day, people will start realizing that, okay, this guy provides valuable information. He keeps showing up. I'm going to follow him. And it just builds into an exponential following, like a million followers. Like I never would have expected that when I started it. And uh, it's just been amazing. Just that consistency has been such a value to, to everything. It's great to hear consistency over intensity. That's written, my, the Mike Tucker, who was the episode, I don't know, I don't know, probably in the forties, is like a strength coach. It says consistency over intensity on my workout program. It's like, it relates to everything in your life. If you're just consistent, Intensity is great. Like you need it for these bursts, but like if you overshoot, you're going to burn yourself out. So just being consistent with it. And TikTok is a great example of like, if you just continue to put stuff out there and people like it, the, the way that it gets shared and the pages that it hits, I mean, who would have thought a million followers and it's, it's insane how fast that that can possibly grow and you're giving out great content. So it's a testament to that. 
Yeah, I've done a lot of research these days, and they say TikTok is the number one way to get your business out there, just purely based on the eyes that you get. And it just because it's still sort of fresh and, and kind of newer, there the algorithm, the way it works is like I don't know exactly how it works, but I just know that it's a little bit more open to to spreading the message than like let's say an Instagram or a Facebook that's a little saturated and it's, and it's in year ten, fifteen, whatever, how long ever it's been out. Um, and I think you carved out a nice little niche. Like you're not dancing on there; you're providing. I love your little quick jump cuts and you talk, talk about things that are actually like really important to people in their personal finance journey. And every, think about everyone, they're, whether they're going to work, they're at home, like everyone at some point in their day is thinking about money. Every single, every single day. Why are you doing all the things you're doing? Most people are trying to get more money to buy back their time and do things that they actually want to do. So for that to be on an entertainment app, if you will, is really cool to be like, you kind of almost get this burst of like, oh, I'm doing something right for me. Let me go to John's page real quick. Yeah. All right, then I'll go back to the dances. And like, it's just kind of nice to have. Um, and I think you you separated yourself there, clearly. Um, videos are awesome, I can say. I've, I've been stuck on for hours, dude. Sucked in for hours. Easy, man. It's a good thing. And, um, you know, you've, you've kind of parlayed that over to Instagram now, too. I think you're almost about close to 40,000 building up the community there. And it's just, it's cool how everything overlaps in, in, in front of each other. And, um, I want to talk about it as a business though. Like it's not just like you're doing this, obviously it's fun and it's your passion, but it can really prove to be a lucrative thing. So I know you mentioned like three buckets here. You got index funds, you got real estate, and then like you're pumping money into your business. So what are you doing behind the scenes to elevate your game here and then potentially build it as like a, a passive income stream? I wouldn't call it passive because it's, it's pretty active. I, I know it takes time for everything. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I just want to rewind real quick. You were talking about the TikTok algorithm and how, you know, brands are using that to expand the reach. Um, you know, right now, TikTok's algorithm, every single post has the ability to, you know, go viral. Every single post stands alone. So when you post something and, it, you know, the algorithm picks it up, it has the potential to go viral. Whereas when you go on Instagram and you make a reel or even YouTube, even um, if they, if your previous post didn't do well, most likely your, your post won't do your next post won't do as well. So it's kind of tailored that way, um, depending on how your views were on the previous post. So that's why I love TikTok. Every TikTok stands alone. Every TikTok has the ability to go viral. And that's, what's really, um, been a, a great boost for me. Let's talk about, this is funny. And it's like, I don't want to like blow up anybody's spot or anything, but it's interesting to me that like the posts, maybe just because we're in the movement, I, I, I think about it like this, but the posts that do so well are like some of the most basic things. Like we have a, 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 a uh, I guess an Instagram graphic that everyone loves. And it's just essentially talking about don't retire at 65 with pension, retire at 40 with cash flowing access. Like, and it's a very simple message and it just hits and people love it. And I think that it's like, when I go on TikTok and see these very simple, basic videos, they crush it. And I think a lot of it is because it has to pertain to the masses. And a lot of people are just hearing this for the first time. And I have to remind myself, like, okay, not everyone's super into this yet. Let, let people get accustomed to like the language and what we're talking about. And then you can go into the deeper dive on like the things that I like, where it's like the details. I couldn't know? agree more. Oh my God. <laughs> like some of our Instagram posts, our previous ones, I've worked hours on friggin' all this detail and like, Siphoning it out, I'm like, okay, we got to make sure the font's good too. It's like three separate columns, got all this information on. And then it's like, oh, cool, 50 likes. I'm like, dude, that took me so much. Then the other one that took me absolutely five seconds to put together, just boom, takes off, it's got a thousand. So I'm like, you know, uh, you could probably talk to that to, to his point, but like, it seems like it is mostly some simple personal finance things that are like quick hitters. I don't know why 
or why do you think those do so well? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it has to apply to the masses. If, it, if you want to go viral, it needs to apply to the, you know, the general amount of people. Um, but but I, I see the same thing with TikTok. You know, I will spend 30 minutes making a TikTok and I'll post it. It'll go viral. I'll spend three to four hours making a TikTok, doing all these cool edits and jump cuts or whatever. And it's 100 views. You know, it's just so funny how, um, you know, the more time you spend on something, it's like the less. It's just crazy how, how the algorithm works. But um, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a, it's a whirlwind. It's a guessing game too. It is. It is. It is. You, yeah, have you have to throw as much, throw as much as you can at the wall and see what sticks basically. Um, but, but yeah, like going, kind of going into TikTok as a business and like, what am I uh, putting money into? Uh, you know, basically I want to really create this community because before, you know, it was just me and I was trying to do everything myself, but I think the biggest lesson I've learned is that when you are a solopreneur, eventually you can't do everything yourself. So I'm looking to, um, you know, hire out whether it's a, an editor or a, um, virtual assistant, whatever it may be. I'm looking to hire someone in that area just to take some load off of me. And then, um, you know, I've hired a CPA, things like that. I want to hire um, someone who can, you know, take care of emails and things like that. So I think it's really just freeing up my time so I can make more content and, uh, you know, have pay other people to do stuff on the back end. I think this goes for any, anybody or anything, especially in your space. I think hiring a virtual assistant will change your life completely. And I've heard this from other people who like they're, they're hesitant to do it. And like, even we're not at the point where we feel like we need one, but I bet if we spent whatever money it costs, we'd be like, Oh my God, like, why did I not spend that earlier? And it's not even that much money, but like, it's, it's hard to put yourself in a mindset to like that spending the money on something where you don't feel like you have an employee, like you have the ability to have an employee yet, but you actually do because it frees up your time to go do other things that you can help, help you either reach more people, make a bigger impact or make more money. And I think those are, those are important things there, but Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. Uh, virtual assistants, uh, dude, we get our one today. We, I swear to God for all the things that we're doing between real estate and weekly juice in our jobs. I, and they're not that expensive. I mean, there's a, I think, um, I'm not sure if you can get them on Fiverr, but I've seen, like, I've done a little bit of research and I've seen some things for pretty cheap. I'm like, Jesus. Like, yeah. It's not that. You're not hiring a $40,000 employee a year. It's like something for just little projects when you need them and they're, they'll work for cheap because it depends on like where in the world they live and the and cost of the living, cost of living is, is cheaper. So that's a cool topic to get into too. I think, yeah, I think it was maybe Felipe talked about hiring a virtual assistant. Um, I, I forget who exactly it was, but they said it absolutely changed their life and that they were able to scale every aspect of their business. So yeah, we've definitely talked about it with a number of, of, uh, of guests, but, um, one of the things that I wanted to bring up here is kind of a mentality question about what is it like for you to try to pursue financial independence the way that you do? And then also balance that with like living your life in the moment, because I think that there's a, the naysayers out there that are people that would argue against financial independence. It's like, well, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like I'm going to live, I'm going to spend all my money right now because tomorrow's not, you know, certain. And there is some value, some value and some merit to that. I, I don't disagree completely, but I still think that the percentages tell you that you're probably going to be there tomorrow if you're healthy and you do things that you love. And, and I would rather see my last 40 years of my life being lived to the fullest, um, as opposed to like just doing everything now and then wishing that I can retire. So do you have any thoughts there? Yeah, I, I think the, the mental framework you have to have is, you know, sacrifices now will pay dividends later. And, 
and you don't have to cut to the bone every expense. You don't have to, you know, live in a van by the river or anything like that. You know, I feel like I live a very, very fulfilling life. You know, I am able to you go out when I want, I'm able to go play golf or, or do whatever I want because basically one, because of house hacking, I live so frugally because I'm house hacking Two, I don't have a car payment. So, you know, I can spend on whatever, you know, I'm not having a $500 per month car payment. And so by living frugally, I can actually have more experiences. I can travel more. I can um, go out with friends, do all those things. And so I think it's, you know, I'm living on probably two grand a month and I live a very fulfilling life. And so it's just, I, I like to um, kind of, kind of push those naysayers aside and be like, Hey, I'm doing this. I'm living proof of it now. Um, you know, if, because I don't have a car payment, I can travel more, you know, I can do all these things, you know, so. Very cool. So sorry, really quick with the no car payment, did you pay off your car or do you, do you not have a car? I, I paid off my car in college. Actually, I was, I was a valet. I was a valet driver. I, I drove cars for a living. Um, so I, I valeted cars on nights and weekends while I was in school and I was able to pay off my car that way. That's awesome. Very cool. That's uh, we, Ryan and I have <laughs> interesting car stories where both we would consider probably both of us like car guys, almost in a way, like we like those things. And then we individually each sold a Mercedes because of the five movement. Like it, it was, <laughs> we bought them early in our lives. Well, early in our early in our twenties, right or mid twenties, and then sold them subsequently because we were like, let's put the, this on the back burner, so to speak. And uh, we're I think we're both happy we did it. So hundred percent. Yeah. It's yeah. we we talked talked about it enough that I'm just like, dude, just just don't do it. Wait till you're fifty if you have to buy one. Whatever. Yeah, Unless yeah. you have the dough to or pay you have the cash place. flowing assets that'll pay for it, which I think will be before fifty for us, hopefully, right? Hundred so. percent before fifty. I want to talk about um, before you dive in there. Uh, I know we talked about virtual assistants and just before we get too deep into the show is like you also talked about work-life balance and like i'm just curious about your your systems here and like how do you when i say systems i almost mean like your daily life system like how do you divvy up your time i'm thinking i know it takes you a long time to put out content and build this content then you got to go to work right and then you you know you're investing in other things and you are looking at real estate like how are you divvying up your time just to give like people an idea i just thought about my day-to-day and i like i couldn't look at anything during my nine to five. And then I look at, you know, I just was locked in meetings. Then I'm done. like, wow. Like if we didn't have COVID and could work from home a little bit, like I can bang on all my stuff in like the first five hours of my day and then, you know, wrap up everything else when I, on my time, I don't know what I would do. There's people that have to go in every single day and they're like, how the hell do I manage? I just don't know how, how you would recommend that. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great, it's, it's a huge conflict that, you know, we all experience as content creators is how do we, how do we manage our time? Um, you know, for the first year and a half, I was putting out TikToks almost daily. I was, you know, doing this podcast, um, and I was working a full-time job and, uh, you know, looking to buy a house and all that. And basically I was doing everything on nights and weekends. And so I was sacrificing some social life and, and other things like that. But I, I don't know if you guys, you guys probably don't know this, but I actually left my full-time job at the end of May. So I'm actually a full-time content creator for, I've been a full-time content creator for the past two months and it's been fantastic. Yeah. I've loved every single minute of it, uh, you know, because I'm doing what I love. And, and basically, like I said, that first year and a half, it was just, you know, grinding like head down, but also enjoying the process as well. It wasn't like a, a, a total, like, you know, terrible time or anything like that. But, um, yeah, it was just, it was just, you know, I knew it was, it was good for the bigger picture. And, you know, when the 
content started paying the bills, I guess. And because I live so frugally, um, you know, I didn't have to earn that much in order to leave my job. And so that's why I made the decision. I was like, Hey, I'm going to leave my job and go full time at this because one, I have a healthy emergency fund. I live frugally. And, you know, I think I can really scale this to a higher degree. So I didn't really mention the, how I spend my time, but that was kind of the backstory from it. Yeah. I think, uh, that $2,000 a month that you mentioned is, is a key to live off of that. We, I definitely don't live off, live off of that. And I think that it's like, if you can scale your life to a place that you're comfortable and then you know your number, I think that's the most important thing, whether it's $2,000 a month, whether it's 4,000, whether it's 6,000 or 12,000, you know your number. I think that puts it in perspective for people so they know, you know where do I start, right? I mean, like that whole budgeting process and, and everything is kind of, it just comes full circle once you understand where the starting point is. So I'm impressed by living off $2,000 a month. I, would say that. I think about that. that's 24 grand a year, right? That's like, it's not a lot of money. And no. if you think about it, and only the fear I think people have is like, okay, cool. Like say I, you know, let's just say they make $40,000 a year or something like that. And then they live off two grand a month with taxes all in like that 24,000 is pretty much, you're almost right there. Like they're not going to be able to leave their job because then how do you buy the real estate? What's the extra cash? Like how do you invest into the 401k that we're talking about, the, the IRA that we're talking about? So it's building up those side hustles and things while you're doing your nine to five. So that way you can fall back on something else. Like obviously yours by living frugally and strategically planning out your life, you were able to do so. And obviously your, your side hustle is becoming a main hustle, which is really cool. Yep. Um, it's already become. It, awesome. it already, yeah, he already has. Awesome. It's amazing. So with that, just to piggyback off the, the second part of that question is, how do you, I guess now, what is your day broken up into? Like, do you just do wake up and start rocking out some content? Like, <laughs> yeah, what? yeah uh, the first, the first few weeks were definitely an adjustment period. It was like, I just felt like I was on vacation and because, you know, no one is holding you accountable when you leave your job, you know, you're just, you are purely in charge of, of, of staying motivated and, and working on yourself. And so uh, the first three weeks I was trying to get a schedule going, but now I feel really comfortable. Basically, you know, I will back, uh, I will script every, I will script like 10 videos on Mondays on Tuesdays. I'll film those 10 videos. And then on Wednesday I'll edit those 10 videos. So then I have content for the next like week and a half uh, just by, you know, batching that content. And um, you know, throughout the week I'll usually, you know, hop on podcasts or um, you know, just talk with other people do brand deals, uh, just a bunch of different things, you know, do real estate, whatever it may be. So, um, I think batching content is the best way to be efficient with your time. Great. Let's, um, before we get into the last couple segments of our show, which are kind of fixed, we do the same, um, segments each week. Let's talk a little bit about your podcast. I know you have simple money guys. Yeah. The simple money guys podcast. And, um, can you just talk a little bit about that and what, what type of content you create there? Yeah. So that was just kind of a, another kind of fun passion project that, um, I started with, uh, my two friends, uh, it's Greg and Ryan. We do the show. It's three of us. I, I met them both through TikTok, which is just funny. You know, we all had the kind of the same ideas of financial education on TikTok, And so we were both make we were all making the content like that. And then we're like, Hey, why don't we start a podcast? We're like, all right. So it was kind of like a random kind of fun get together, uh, thing, but now, you know, we've been doing it for, almost a year now, I think we're, we're nearing episode, maybe like 40 ish. And so, uh, yeah, we just put out episodes, you know, once a week on Sundays 
And we talk about all things, you know, money, whether it's uh, financial freedom, whether it's real estate, and we try to make it more like conversational, more kind of just hanging out, you know? So, um, but it's been great. Yeah. I, I've, I've had a lot of fun with it. Cool. Make sure to check out the simple money guys. Yeah, definitely. And it's, I was just looking at, it, it looks like you have like 30, 40 minute or 30, 40 minute episodes. Like it's like kind of concise and, and to the yep. point and which I think a lot of people appreciate. So very cool. Yeah. Uh, the second to last segment of our show is called the core four and we're going to start out the core four by asking you, these are the same questions we ask other guests. What's your favorite investing or business book? Uh, I would say my favorite finance or investing book. Uh, it has to be set for life. Uh, I read that book when I was 22, I believe uh, I was coming, I was like a senior in college and um, it was just the most transformative book that I've, I've read in a long time. Basically it just transformed my mindset of like, Oh my gosh, all I need to do is, save up $25,000 invested into real estate. And then I'll be financially fit. It was like just a crazy uh, mindset shift. And I think Scott Trench just puts it amazingly in that book. So he is, he's definitely one of my idols. I was going to honestly, man, I could have predicted that. It's kind of crazy because you, you said the no car thing. And I just know that like, it, I was going to go into the whole, we love like, that. Drop, ride your bike to work and work close to live close to where you work and all yeah. that stuff in the book. It's great. So uh, we had a couple of people that, that absolutely love that book. We read it too. It was uh, you know, rich dad, poor dad, set for life, then retire early with real estate with uh, Coach Carson or Chad yeah. Carson. Yeah. So those are like our, our three that we always go to. Um, and I, I love the bigger pockets books, but I'm not going to plug them because they should probably pay me for doing that. But, uh, <laughs> I seriously love all their books. Yeah, they're, no, they're amazing. John, how, I, how old are you just for context? You said you did this when you were 22. Yeah, so right now I'm 25 years old. So. Yeah, way back in the day, 22. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, dude. You're, you're killing it for 25. So uh, congrats to all the on all the hard work and accomplishments. It's amazing. Question two uh, in the core four is what has been your biggest mistake that you've made in your investing journey so far and how have you learned from it? Even though you're 25. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I don't know if this is like necessarily an investing journey. You know, I think my, my house hack has worked out so far. You know, I might make mistakes in the future. You know, we all, we all do, but I think one of the biggest mistakes that I got held up in, like, especially in high school and college was just trying to keep up with the Joneses. Like there is, there's so many trends and so many fads that were coming along that, you know, I was, I was buying the expensive clothes, the expensive shoes. I bought a, an infinity like coupe, like sports car when I was in, in high school too, just because I wanted to look cool. I wanted to, you know, keep up with the Joneses essentially. And I think, you know, I wasted a lot of money doing that. Um, you know, and I think the majority of people do get caught up in, in that type of cycle as well. So I would, I would try to, you know, remove yourself from keeping up with the Joneses. I think this is a, like a major key of, of us starting the podcast and just like some of the things we talk about, because it is difficult to do consumer mindset and the media and everybody pushes you that way. There's yes. a big pendulum that swings you towards that, right? Like go, I've talked about this on another episode, go to a car dealership, three, uh, only two ninety nine a month for 36 months. And you get there for 36 and it's like, months, you're and already sucked in and, and then it's, it's not 299. It's actually 439. It's a car package. So it's just, it's just very interesting to, and the only reason that you're even doing that is because you think that your friends are doing it, right? Exactly. It's very hard mentality to break but i think once you break out from it at least i felt this way it's like i'm almost like on the other way i'm like do i even want that car that i thought i really wanted like it's so it's a it's a psychological uh 
some psychological warfare to get through, but once you get on the other side of it, it's it's uh it's awesome actually. It's yeah. a good way to put it. I would say, you know, take it step by step, right? It's hard to go cold turkey on keeping up with the Jones and like not yeah, buying yeah. it. I mean, there's still things that we like, like get your shoes if you want the shoes. Yeah, not every month buy a pair of shoes. Well that's the thing. Do buy the things you want, but yeah. not overboard. Like don't like if you really, really want it, do it. But like not just because yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I think I heard it's like um, if you're thinking about buying something, wait a week, and if you still want that thing, and you're still like that's all you can think about, like okay, then, then you really want that thing, and you might need that thing. Yeah. But like it's a lot of times, majority of the time, you you get to that next week, and you're like, eh, on to the next. Like I want something else. I just those are for impulse buys. But yeah, um, cool point to bring up. Yep. Question three: Who is your who for 2021? We always have to rephrase like this question. So essentially, um, by meeting this person you feel like your business or life might be taken to the next level. And if you don't have someone that you like, feel like you are aspiring to meet, maybe somebody that you've met in the past couple of years that has helped you along your journey. Cause Ryan always, I always say it's a people life is a people business. Other people can help your net worth by expanding your network. So, um, who is your, who? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, this might be cliche, but I got to bring it back to Scott trench. I mean, he, he's just been so pivotal because I, I feel like, you know, he's probably five or six years older than me. And I feel like he was just, you know, a few steps ahead of me. So I've been just trying to follow his path and, and learn from him as much as possible. I mean, he has such a way of like uh, just thinking in, in different terms. And I think he really challenges the status quo in, in certain things. So I think, you know, he's built, he's helped build bigger pockets, which is a multi-million dollar business. And I think he's just a fantastic role model to look up to and funny story real quick. I actually copped on a zoom meeting with him. I got super lucky that I had a, a contact through another podcast who got Scott on his podcast. And I was like, dude, if I could talk to Scott just for like a few minutes, that'd be amazing. So we got in touch. Uh, we had a zoom call. We were talking about TikTok, and he was talking about bigger pockets, obviously, but he's just such a great guy to talk to that. Yeah. If I could meet him in person and just, I feel like being surrounding yourself with those type of people, will seriously level up your game absolutely yeah if you have a connect shoot us shoot him our way we'd love yeah, yeah. We'd, we'd love to interview him five couple interviewed him on the show oh great yeah, yeah we would, on, uh, their on their live yeah absolutely so well uh yeah i would love to meet him he sees he does think i would say i don't know if it's outside the box but just like he's a different frame of mind and obviously he's yeah. taking bigger pockets to great heights so mm-hmm. super cool um, last question is, I know you're young, but, and I'm not sure how, how much you thought about this, but, um, what do you want your legacy to be? And, and part of this question is kind of like, just like, what's your why, like getting out of bed every morning to do what you do aside from it being just, you know, your passion. Yeah. That, I love that question because it really, it gets to, yeah, the, the deep why, like, why am I doing this? And I think, you know, not only for my financial freedom, but for my family's and my friends, financial freedom, you know, if I can help other people reach financial independence, I think it'll just make it a, a better world in general. I think Bigger Pockets has this motto. If they can get as many people as financially independent or get as many people as they can financially independent, you know, they will make the world a better place because when you don't have to work for a corporation you don't like, you start doing things you do like. You start giving back to the community. You start helping other people. And, you know, I'm helping other people learn about financial education and so if I can help as many people as I can get to that financial independence, um, I seriously think it'll, it'll help the world in, in a positive way. Absolutely. Really, really good answer. I, I, I can appreciate that. Um, I think we've made it to the last drop.
So, last drop is, uh, if you can go back in time, you are only 25, but maybe you can go back to teenage, your teenage self, what advice would you give your younger self and why? Um, I've thought about this a little bit, you know, I am young, but uh, I would say get used to being uncomfortable. I think, you know, being uncomfortable is where most of the growth happens. I was in high school. I, you know, stayed in my bubble. I stayed with my close knit friends and, you know, I was comfortable, but I was never really growing. And until I got into college, until I started house hacking, really, I, I made myself become uncomfortable. And, you know, that's what really is, is pushing my limits. You know, I was never comfortable on camera, but here I am being some TikTok superstar. And it's just crazy how, how things work. You know, the more uncomfortable things you do, the, the more growth you're going to see. And I think people should get accustomed to being uncomfortable. That's yeah. a great one. Most people, we've talked about this a few times, but like most people are thinking about the way they look and how other people perceive them. And half the time they're not, they're not judging you on the way you look and the way the things that you're doing, the way you think it's like, everyone's kind of always wrapped up in their own head. So just get out there and do it and know that everyone's just as, as uncomfortable as you, even if they act like they're not, or they were once in the spot where they were uncomfortable. And now they're like, screw it. I'm good. Like yeah. whatever. Like I'm just going to do my thing. So I think that's a great point. You go from being uncomfortable talking and, and to a massive people. And now you have a, a following base of a, of a million. So it's, it's, it's just insane. Uh, good, good way to put it. So can appreciate that. And um, I like the legacy, man. It's, it's great. Awesome. John, we really appreciate it. If people uh, were inspired by your story or want to follow you on TikTok or want to learn more about you and just learn about maybe some of the investing that you do, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can follow me on TikTok. It's at John E Finance. That's J O H N E Finance. Uh, it's the same handle on Instagram as well. Uh, you can DM me on Instagram. So, yeah, Instagram and TikTok are, are the two primary ways you guys can reach me. Perfect. Love it. Make sure to tag in everything. And I'm sure most of our listeners know who you are, anyways, at this point. But um, <laughs> it was a pleasure having you on the show, man. Thanks for dropping some knowledge on us and uh, congratulations on all, all the success. I know it's the coolest part is what you're doing is just giving back and spreading knowledge. It's not like you're, you're just building up hoarding money, to hoard money. Yeah. You're actually teaching people how to, you know, deploy their money and, and make a better life for themselves. So really, really admirable what you're doing. Uh, it was an honor having you on the show, man. Yeah. yeah thank, thank you, you Ryan, Ryan and Corey for having me. It's, it's been, been a blast. blast. I love your guys' show. And I'm, I'm, I'm super excited, excited to see where you guys, guys go, go, you know, a year or five years, five years from now, it, it'll be it'll super interesting. And, and uh, I'm, I'm thinking, thinking about going, going to Philly, Philly for a trip. So if I'm ever in the area, I will definitely let you guys know. Yeah, you have to let us know, man. We're dinner, dinner drinks on us. We'll see. We'll see.